So today was pajama day, and my grandson was so determined for me to wear pajamas today. <laughs> so I had them on this morning, and I thought, no, I can't do it. <laughs> so I changed. But um, I have been taught that a good message has three points. And so um, it's something that you can take away and that you can apply to your life. And Pastor Brent does really good with that, and so we can give him an A+. Plus. He always has his points, and we can give him a shout-out. October is still here. We can still bless our pastors. So we are privileged to have Brent and Amy as our lead pastors. And I've had four topics that have been really important to me over my life, and um, they all start with P. Um, the first one is prayer, and I've um, preached on prayer before. Pentecost is my other one, and Pastor Brent has been sharing that this month with the book of Acts and his servant on with sales, but also the presence and the power of God. So in preparing today, Pastor Brent asked me oh, about a month ago, and I was at my mom's, and I was walking this three and a half miles of seclusion, no cell phone. <laughs> the Lord just started to give me some, some thoughts of what I should pray or to preach on today, and guess what? They're all P's. <laughs> I didn't really plan it, but today we have four more P's um, that the Lord's placed on my heart. So before we get started, let's just, again, invite God's presence. I love singing that. Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. And so, Lord, we again just come into your presence. You promised to be here with us, and we love you. We ask that you would anoint these words and open our heart and our minds to hear your word and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We've heard um, that um, the phrase, practice what you preach. And so I am preaching to myself today with these promises. And I just pray that all of us can apply then and practice what I'm preaching today. Um, for the, the title of my message today is Promises. And so... Um, a promise. What is a promise? It's a declaration or assurance that one has that something will take place. There is a promise. There is an assurance with that. And so today I'm going to talk about promises. So we as Christians have the assurance that God will do what he promises. He does not lie. What he has said, he will do. And if you look in the Bible, there is over 3,000 promises that he gives to us. And some are unconditional promises, and some come with a condition. So there are the promises of God, and some come with an attachment, like if attached to the promise. So 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the reverence for God. So Paul is preaching to the church, and he's reminding them that there's some promises. So I looked up what those promises were, and it was that God would walk in his temple, that God would dwell in his church, that he would be our God and we would be his people, that he would receive us, that we have a father in him and that we are his sons and daughters, that we have promise of hope, the promise of the resurrection, we have the promise of heaven, we have communion with him and protected by him. So all of these, the, the Old Testament, they've been told this. They've been taught this. These are the promises that they grew up with, that God is a God of promise. 
And because of such great promises, then we should be motivated to purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness in a reverence to God. To be honest, I don't know what I would do in my life without promises, without knowing that God would be with me every step of every day, knowing that God has promised and he is with me. So today I'm going to focus on three promises, and um, so we're going to play hangman with the first promise. So I've already sort of told you the first letter because they all start with P. <laughs> the next letter is R. O. Any guesses? Promise is the title of the message. The first promise we're going to talk about is protection. Yeah, protection. So God is a good father, and he desires to protect us. But just like any parent, there is guidelines um, set for his children to follow. And the Bible is God's guidelines for us to follow, and it's for our good, our own good. The Bible teaches us God's guidelines and how through power in the Holy Spirit, we can live up to these guidelines. But each of us can testify that it's not always easy to live up to his guidelines. And that there is a fight that wages in us every day for control. And so from Genesis to Revelations, you will see the struggle between good and evil, God's kingdom of light and the devil's kingdom of darkness. And the two kingdoms are at war with each other. Ephesians six twelve it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There are spiritual forces at work, God's forces and the devil's forces, and it is real. I believe in God, but I also believe there is a devil. I believe that a third of the angels fell with Satan from heaven. We see throughout scripture evidence and stories of the fight that is real. The Bible talks about demons and evil spirits. The Bible talks about the demonic. You can read through the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's sad to say there is sacrificing children to idols that people would walk so far away from God and worship idols and consulting mediums. And so if you ask Siri, which I did this week, what does the Bible say about mediums, which would be witchcraft and um, like horoscopes and that kind of stuff, right away she pulls up 100 verses against and warning against the mediums of any kind. And so it is a serious thing. Uh, so the, the, the dark side or a topic, all movies have it, a good side and a back side, the dark side, and no one wants to talk about it or acknowledge it, but it is all around us. And some of it's subtle, and some of it's not so subtle. And we don't want to wa um, talk about it a lot of times. However, this weekend is Halloween, and we go, and we, you can go into Party America, and you can see the two. 
you can see the dark. In fact, I had to go to Party America <laughs> this week because we had a thing at, at work and I had to pick something up and I literally made William close his eyes and hold my hand as I went through the store because it's so evident the darkness versus the light. So um, you can have the Mary, not scary. You can have Cinderella's and bumblebees and ladybugs, and it is really cute. But on the other side, you have the witches and the demons and the blood and the rest in peace signs in the, you know, the front yards of people's homes. And so um, people are interested and even drawn to the supernatural. You have so many shows on TV that is dealing with the supernatural and that there is that force. And um, there is even, I believe, a rise in the openness of evil in America. Just it's not hidden. It's not blat. It's just very blatantly out there. And so um, this last week I heard somebody from church. They went to a craft fair and there was a tarot card reading right there. And there was a Wiccan booth. Um, there's tarot cards for kids now. And the increase in Ouija boards, which the name of Ouija means a spirit board. And my daughter went into the bookstore, and right there, there's just a whole display of all the things that are evil. So you can turn on TV this month, and what do you see? All the abundance of scary movies and witches and spells and magic and TV shows and movies full of demonic and satanic symbolism, which is sad to say, but they're right there on TV. And the things the Bible warns against. And it sort of desensitizes us um, to the demonic or normalizing paganism, that this is natural, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, and it's okay, we can accept it. And culture today, it's uh, okay to dabble with mediums, um, but doing so opens a door to the evil in our lives. And it piques the interest, a growing interest, like I said, in America, where we are at once celebrated God, it is now we are on the decline. Our churches are declining in America. And I'm not here to scare you or say you're going to hell if you're celebrating Halloween. But I am saying that there is a war that wages and between good and evil, and we cannot not talk about it. We have to be aware of it. We have to know that God is on our side. And we need to choose to protect our families. Um, we can't disguise the darkness. We can't. So if you were to ask, um, and I'm not, again, I'm not preaching a message of fear, but of one of the power struggle that goes on, and we are on the winning time, the winning team. We are on God's team, and he, pr he says he will protect us. So if you would ask most Americans why you became a Christian, <coughs> they would say, well, I want to go to heaven, or I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to live here during the seven years of tribulation. <coughs> and... Um, Many of you know that my husband and I were mi missionaries to Africa for many years. But you know what? If I would ask someone there why they would become a Christian, almost everybody would say without a doubt for protection. They, they're, not like, they're not looking, oh, I get to go to heaven if I accept Jesus. No, if I accept Jesus, then I will be protected, right? That I will be protected. And um, 
In Benin, where we lived um, s for several years, voodoo was practiced. In Wida, a town in um, Benin, you could go and there was a python temple. And people could go in there and they could worship. And people from literally around the world would come and worship at this python temple. There are witch doctors in cities and towns that had power and authority in the villages. And you grew up very aware and fearful of the curses, the demonic spirits, the idols, the fetishes. And they would actually buy rings to put on their hands for protection. And they would do all of these things to protect them. And so um, when you presented the gospel of Jesus to them, they would say, can your God protect me? Can your God protect me? And so we could say, dear children, 1 John 4, 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Say so they grew up with this every day of their lives. And so they wanted to know that they would be serving a God that was more powerful and could protect them. God is the creator. He is all powerful. And the devil is a creation, but he desires power. He does desire power, and it comes with a cost. And so we saw the spiritual warfare on tons of um, occasions in we were in Ivory Coast, and we were planning a church in Sakasu and the surrounding areas, and there was a little boy that was extremely sick, actually, who was on his deathbed. And so they tried doctors. They tried the witch doctor, and nothing happened. And so they heard that this white person <laughs> was um, planning a church in this town. And so with the last-ditch effort, they said, hey, why don't we call them? Why don't we call them? So we went there with people from our church, and we prayed for him. And within a week, this little boy was completely healed. And he would walk to church every Sunday three miles because God is more powerful. And God showed that whole village who could protect him. There was a little boy in another town, and um, he was at one of our outreaches, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And so then he went home, and after accepting Jesus, the villagers said, you, you can't follow Christ. You, you can't do this. You cannot leave the protection of the gods of our family. So we have all of these fetishes dug in the dirt and hanging around the room, and you can't leave that protection. And he said, no, I can't leave Christ. And he said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And in this village, there is a voodoo chair. And anybody that touches it will get sick or die. And so he um, said, nope, you know what? God is greater. And so to prove that God was graver, he, uh, as a little boy, went over to the chair, picked it up, raised it above his head, and everybody's like waiting for something to happen to him. Nothing. Because greater is God in us than the devil and his demons and the things that he throws at us in this world. And again, God proved that he is all-powerful. And so um, when we went to Benin, voodoo was at 40%. Um, it was right out there. I mean, it's in, in every village. And now it's at 11%. However, Christianity is at 40%. And if you look at the statistics of America, we used to be 65% Christian. We're now like in the 30s. We are decreasing that quickly because we are not 
following the truths of the word, and we're walking away from it. So um, there was a story, and I've shared this one before, I think in a ladies thing that I talked about here. There was a village um, with a huge voodoo tree in it, and um, we planted a church there twice, and the witch doctors and the people of the village that were unhappy with the church there burnt it down. So then we would rebuild it. And um, even the government came to put a road through the town, um, and they had to go around this voodoo tree because this voodoo tree had the power, and people would come and sacrifice and pray to this tree, and this tree had all the power. And, And so there was just a constant fight between Christianity and um, just evil. And for several years, that that war raged between the evil and the good. And in one day, in the middle of the day, with not a storm, no lightning strike, this voodoo tree fell. And guess where it fell? Guess where it landed? Right on the doorsteps of the church that it burned down several times. God's power displayed. There's the church. Those AD is for Assembly of God, Assembly de Jure. That's the voodoo tree that people came and worshipped for years and years and years. And where did it fall? On the footsteps of the church. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God is great. God is good. He is powerful. God's promises to protect his children, however, come um, with some conditions. Um, Protection is one of the promises that comes with, like I said, conditions. You have unconditioned promises and conditional promises. And if we want the protection of God, we need to follow his guidelines and just not um, in, in word only, in everything that we do, And in the Old Testament, you see when they didn't cut down the Asher trees and didn't get rid of the the bales and the worship, there was a condition. They usually had to go through some hard times. So the Bible gives us five warnings. It says, beware of the fight. Give no opportunity to the devil, Ephesians 4, 27. And do not give the devil a foothold. Don't let him put his big toe in the door. That's my phrase. <laughs> but, you know, the, 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 the book, if you give a mouse a cookie, then he wants more and more and more. If you give the devil a foothold, it will turn into a stronghold many times. When you start little, the devil wants more, and it becomes a stronghold. Two is this, submit to God, resist the devil. James 4, 7, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So if you're old like me, um, you have Donut Man. Anybody ever listen to Donut Man tapes? And so one is God's army. And so I still have them. William and Madeline listen to it. But the verses, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will have to flee. And we march around the house. <laughs> we say that. So ask William after church. What does gratitude? We do. We know that scripture, that we submit to God. We resist the devil, and he has to flee from us. Number three is to stand firm. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor so that you can um, take your stand against the devil's schemes. So there is a fight. But God says, hey, I'll be with you. 
put on this armor. Four, destroy everything that sets itself up against God. So it says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolished arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take it captive under the obedience of Christ. So all the things that you hear, all the philosophies that you hear out there, you take it under the obedience of Christ. And it, another one is Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which the world does all the time, which depends on human tradition and the element spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So it all boils down to the song, Be careful, little eyes, what you see, ears, what you hear, feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful. And so we, in that, again, I am not here to say um, that God is against us. But when we do follow his guidelines and, and put it into practice, he covers us with his safety and protection. And as parents, we can pray that protection over our kids, over our home, over our families. And we need to walk in the promises that we are king's kids, that we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb, and that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and his promise, and that we are on the winning team. So my second point today, second promise, starts with a P. <laughs> so um, I think there's nine letters. So P, again, R, O, oh, <laughs> there you go, <laughs> provision. Um, in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory. Not prosperity, but provision. So the things that we need on a daily walk. And they, there's a couple verses with conditions on this in the promises of provision in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in the house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not be room enough to store it. So this is the only verse in the Bible that says, test me. And so there's a church in Lincoln, and sometimes at the beginning of the, the, the year, they'll do a 90-day faith promise tithe challenge. So a tithing challenge. And they'll say, if you give 10% for 90 days, and you don't see at the end of 90 days that God has provided and that every one of your needs will refund your whole tithe, no questions asked. Because it's one that we can test God and see that when we give our best, and Paul talked about it, when we give out of that joyful heart, God will provide Another verse with a condition, Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
you can't outgive God. You can't outgive him. I got saved just after sixth grade in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and I started a faith promise and a missions pledge at that age. I always tithe, and I've continued to t- today, and God has never left me begging bread is <laughs> one of the scriptures. God has been so faithful, and many of you know that my husband passed away suddenly six and a half years ago, and at the time that Jim passed, he was the main breadwinner. He's the one that had the insurance, um, and I worked just part-time, and I didn't finish college. We were, I was 20 when I went to language school and 21 when I went to Africa because I didn't finish my degree. And so I found myself no longer Jim's wife, no longer a missionary. I didn't have insurance, and I was working a part-time job. And so I had to trust God's faithfulness to be him faithful to the promises that he has done. And, and like faith, um, trust is a muscle. And the more you trust him, the stronger it becomes. And in the Old Testament, re- read how the Israelites easily forgot all the miracles that God did. You know, you go and how many people got to go into the promised land from those that left Egypt? Two. Only two. The kids that were born in the, in the desert got to go, but they forgot. They forgot. So I began to remember all the things that God had done for me in the past. So when I was um, sa- newly saved, uh, someone said, you know, you need to lear- listen to Christian music. It will really encourage your faith. And it was before cell phones, before what you can pull up a song. You know, <laughs> I just like, hey, play this song, and it plays it for me. I didn't have anything. And someone said, well, let's just pray about that. And in a week, someone from like th- three hours away from me said, you know what? God impressed on me, and I want to give you my stereo. Okay. And I still have it. So, yep, God is good. Then there is another one, and that's this picture here. I was 16. I came from a large family. We're pretty dysfunctional. So it was my 16th birthday, and no one had said happy birthday to me. So I was feeling sorry for myself. And then the door knocked, or somebody knocked on the door. The door didn't knock. Somebody did. (laughs) Anyway, and I went to the door, and it was a counselor that I had from camp. She lived four hours away, and I said, what are you doing here? I said, did you know it was my birthday? She said, no, but God told me to come and visit you today. And so she took me to the Christian bookstore and bought my first study Bible for me. And she bought me this picture of God being there for me. So that was when I was 16. You could do the math. It's been with me, and it hangs on my wall. It's gone to me to Africa. It, got, it travels with me wherever I am to remind me that God can provide. God is a God of provision. God is a God that's there, and he's always there with us and will always provide. And there is another story, and we're so 12, 16. Here's one when I'm 21. We're doing our itineration service. We need our money to go to Africa. Our dates are already set, and we're like $1,000 short in our budget. We had one Sunday evening service left. Before, we didn't have, you know, we used to have Wednesday night, Sunday night, you know, And so we went to the service, and it was a good service, and the pastor gave us a check, but it wasn't close to $1,000. They were like, oh, this is our last service. What are we going to do? Our tickets, we have to buy them and all this stuff. And so we got a call from the pastor and said, hey, there was an older lady in church. She wasn't able to make it to the service, but she wanted to give you a check. Can you stop by in the morning on your way out of town? So we went, and he gave us a folded check, and... um, we didn't look at it then, but <laughs> we got in the car, and guess what? 
it was $1,000. So when you sit there and you remember all the way God provides, he is there, he is there, he is there, which bring me to the present. So my kids went home. We'd be gone for four years and come home a year, and the year that we were home, um, we would put them in a Christian school. And it was costly, and so we'd use the four years we were gone to save up <laughs> to do the, the year we were here. And so we um, had the girls in school, and three had already graduated from uh, the Christian school. And um, Kaylee was an eighth grader, and I was doing her application for ninth grade. And on there, there is a little check that, hey, if you want insurance, that if something would happen, your tuition would be paid for in full. And, you know, I've never done that before in the past, but I just felt like, okay, $17 is the price of a pizza. You know, I checked it and paid $17. Sadly to say, then Jim passed. And I started worrying, oh, no, how am I going to pay for school, you know? And someone said, well, don't, the office called me and said, don't worry about it. You checked that bar, that, that box. You don't have to pay. So ninth grade year, yay, paid for so then in February I ha of the next year, I had to go to Florida to accept an award on behalf of my husband. And the Friday before I left, I was getting ready for Kaylee's ninth grade year, or 10th grade year. And I was filling out the application, and they wanted my tax form, and I didn't bring it. So I said, okay, I'll be back. When I come back from Florida, I'll come and finish it. So I get to Florida, and we have the award ceremony that night. The next day, we're having a session, and we're singing, All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, <laughs> I need tuition. And so the, the, the director said, you know, we need to sing that some more because there's somebody here that needs to hear it. So I said, okay, God, it's me. So I sat down, and I started to write tuition, a newer car, joy. I need a job with insurance, <laughs> and I need my daughter's heart not to be so hard and that she can surrender to the Lord because she's very bitter at this point. And so um, I we broke for lunch, and so uh, over that break, I had a missed call from the school. I said, come on in. Or instead of coming on in on Monday, she said, you know what? Don't bother. Don't come in. S this morning... Just somebody just walked in the door and paid for Kaylee's tuition. Enter yearbook, enter activity fees, don't worry about the whole year. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I just wrote that. So I come back to the table, and I we're in a round table, and I'm sharing that story with them. And there was a gentleman at the table, and his church had followed us in our church planning ministry now for, for, for a long time. And he said, you know what, before we came, our church took up an offering for you. He said, here's $10,000 for a newer car. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Okay, one and two. Within 30 minutes, God had provided. And he is so faithful. And then 11th grade and 12th grade, someone anonymously paid once again for Kaylee's tuition. So 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, I didn't pay a penny. God is a God of provision he is so faithful when we put him to the test when we are faithful and we give everything to him he is there and so just a few scriptures psalms 37 25 pull one of these for yourself 
I was young and now I'm old, that's me, <laughs> yet have never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging bread. Another one, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. <coughs> Hebrews, keep your eyes free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you, Matthew. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Matthew 7. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those that ask? And then the last one, I mentioned this before, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The promise of provision. And what he's done for me, you think, wow, that's a crazy story. He can do it for you. He can do it for you. And God today desires to meet the needs of his children. And we can trust him to provide. So cling to the promises of God to on provision and know that he is a God that does not lie and he does keep his promises. So my third P, so God will protect us, God will provide for us. And the third one, you can all get this one. It's really easy. It starts with a P. Anybody? Peace. Yeah. And to be honest, I can find myself struggling with peace. That is, I'm like I said, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. I can easily come up with a list of things that can I can worry about. I worry literally about America and where we're headed. When I would come home every four years and see the decline in America, I would weep in our, in our morals and what we trusted in. And so, um, and we've had fear and worry with COVID. Um, I can, then you do add the economy and the rise of prices. We have a world struggle. We have, um, you know, if you look at media, it's depressing. And so there's a lot of things that we can worry about. And do you ever wonder how God does it? I think, you know, God can be busy just with my family and the things that I worry about, let alone multiply that by every family in the whole world. It is mind-blowing. And he is a God that can take our stress and our worry, and he can give us peace. And so that is when, when we're worrying about all this stuff, we stop and we remember. We take that deep breath. We begin to make our attitude of gratitude lists. We turn off the TV and the influence is there. And we find comfort in God's word and in his scripture that gives us promises that we can stand on. The Bible is filled with verses that can bring peace in the midst of struggle and worries and fears. If we ask God, he promises us his peace that passes all understanding. And when we take the time to stop from the pressures of this world and we come into his presence and we linger there in his presence, he speaks hope and comfort over our circumstances. And the best things that we can do is to 
to when we feel anxiety or fear is to find a quiet place and pray, read a scripture and listen to the encouragement of worship and his word. And God will give us that peace as we come to him. Promises of peace. There again is too many. I couldn't even read them all today, but I'm going to read a few. Colossians. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And Lizzie read this. Since the members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Psalms, in peace, I will lay down and sleep. And that's a good one. I claim that a lot. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. We do have a few with conditions, Philippians 4, 6. So it says, do not be anxious about anything. So we can be there. But what are we supposed to do? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understandings will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He promises that. These are great ones to memorize. And when you're worried, just say, Lord, you're going to guard my heart. You're going to guard my mind. Isaiah, you will keep in perfect peace. Here's another condition. Whose mind is steadfast. Whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So what does it mean to be have a steadfast mind? It means a mind fixed, a fixed on Christ. And think of him and um, take that. And so we have to determine what we're going to think about, too. That's the conditions. We need to determine what we're going to think about. And Madeline can worry about. She's a little, she has everything planned. And if she doesn't have her water bottle, if she doesn't have this at night, she's like checking things (laughs) off in her mind. And I say, honey, your mind can't think of two things at once. So what can we think of? What can we choose to think of? And so we'll put on a verse or a Bible, a song, and we'll just take those. And I said, you know, you can't even say two words at the same time, unless, of course, you sort of get old and mix the words together. But, and I said, you know, honey, it's like, and I've taught this to kids before, it's like if you had two dogs and one dog you fed all the time and one dog you starved, which would be the stronger dog? So you have um, evil versus bad, worry versus peace, sin versus righteousness. Which one are you going to feed? Which one will become stronger in your life? So if you're feeding your mind the positive things, which one will become stronger? The positive. And so everybody knows the power of positive thinking, a book written in 1952 and over 5 million copies sold, and But God had that figured out way before Norman Vincent Peale ever wrote this book, that he is the God of peace, the power of positive thinking. And the Bible tells us to think on what? Philippians. Think on what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, admirable, what is praiseworthy. Choose to think on those things. So what time I am afraid, I will trust in him. 
And again, I will tell you from experience that anxiety, fear, and worry is very real. And after Jim passed away, um, I did see a counselor for over three years to work through some of the trauma, the loss, the anxiety, and the worry. And sometimes we do need to reach out for help. And that's not saying it's a sign of weakness, but a sign that you want to have mental strength, mental health. And so in America, there is a even an increase in anxiety in children. Right now, you can't even find a counselor for children. There's so many anxiety that they have a waiting list. And so our teenagers are so worried. So we as parents need to help our children to dwell on the good things, to think about the positive, and help them know that God is a God of peace. And he is a God that will um, keep his promises of peace. And so when we feel worried or anxious, like I said, I start singing the songs claiming the scriptures, remembering stories of other people and how God is a God of peace. And even if you have to repeat it a few times, you're like, I can go and then, oh, uh, no, I'm going to take that thought captive. This is what I'm going to promise. This is how I'm going to live. And there was a story in guideposts of a lady that just was demoralized or just she couldn't even cope with life because she had so much anxiety. And someone said, start posting scriptures around her house so she posted them everywhere and she began to look at those and within a couple years she had no anxiety because she based her thoughts and her patterns on the word so in closing today we have looked at three of God's promises protection peace and provision but there is one great promise that Pastor Brent um, presents almost every week and that's the promise of salvation. And Acts 16.31, it says, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Romans 10, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so today, um, if there's anybody here, that says, I don't know that promise of salvation. I don't have Christ in my life, but I want to know him. You can have that promise today, that all you have to do is believe and confess that he is Lord. So I'm going to just all of us say that prayer, just a prayer of salvation together. And if you're here and you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, just repeat that with us. Oh, God. We thank you today that you are a God of promise. And right now, come into my life. Wash me of my sins. Help me to know that I follow you, the God that is the creation of everything. And if I believe, and if I confess, I know that I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. The promise of salvation, the promise of protection, the promise of provision, and the promise of peace. So again, I'm going to read the verse um, that I started with, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Therefore, since we have these promises, 
Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the reverence for God. So today, um, pick one of your topics. Maybe a verse that we shared today or one of the ones I um, talked about. So if it's not one that we talked about today, look it up, memorize it, repeat it, believe it, and cling to it. Take a verse that can be your theme verse and know that God is so big and he is able to do what he promises. I'm going to have the team come and and we're going to close in a song. And in this past year, my family has been facing some really crazy things again. And it's caused me to once again cling to God's promises. And so some of my go-to songs have the same God, and we've been singing that here. I requested today, I speak the name of Jesus. That is, I, I go to work, and I work at the People City Mission, and we have a chapel, and it's over my lunch hours. I just go in the chapel, and I sing this song over and over. I speak the name of Jesus over fear and anxiety, over depression, over bondages. I speak the name of Jesus. And another one is in the name of Jesus. But... One that every time we sing it, I have to cry. So I'm not going to try to cry. But we're going to close with um, this one, the goodness of God. That all my life, he has been faithful. All my life, he's been so good. So as we sing that, just picture God reaching out to you. And just knowing that he's a God of his promises. I had five points on my list. I do have much more joy than I did six and a half years ago after my husband died. I do have a good job with insurance. And I'm still holding on to the fifth one, my daughter's surrender. Lord, we just thank you today for being a God of promises. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of the Holy Spirit that goes with us. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us. And that, Lord, we would be able to know that we can walk in peace today. And know that, Lord, you will protect us and you'll provide for us. And that we can stand on your promises. So I pray that this church would cling to your promises. And know that you are a big God. A God that can do above what we think or imagine. And we love you today. Bless our families, bless our children, bless our week as we go. In Jesus' name, 